Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Welcome, everybody. I'm Scott McIntosh with my co-host, Becky. And today we have a special guest, a friend of ours, Mark Robbins. And uh, he's, he's been a friend of ours for a long time. Several years ago, Mark went through a, a rough patch in life, losing several family members and friends. He turned to running as a form of therapy, just like Forrest Gump. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. In 2006, he ran a 5K to honor his sister-in-law, his late sister-in-law, and he did it without stopping. That was his goal. Uh, he was feeling like he was significantly overweight at nearly 250 pounds, and it was difficult, but a seed had been planted. In 2008, he ran his first marathon. In 2012, he ran his first ultra marathon. He has now ran 10 official marathons and 11 official ultras. What is, what's the difference between ultra and just a regular marathon? Yeah, that's a good question. So a regular marathon is 26.2 miles, and an ultra marathon is really considered anything over that. And they're frequently, uh, or commonly, I should say, uh, 50K, which is 32 miles, 50-miler, 100K, which is 62 miles, or 100-miler. Wow. Which leads us to his uh, greatest accomplishment as a runner is competing in the Wasatch 100 twice. And this is a race uh, that journeys 100 miles through the Wasatch Mountains while ascending and descending nearly 27,000 vertical feet. That's unreal. That's a, oh man, 27,000 feet. So that's, that's to the top of Everest and back. Yeah, it's really, really close to summiting Everest and back in, in one shot. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, let's just jump right into this, Mark. We've brought you because you are inspiring. You are wonderful. You're a great friend. And, uh, and we love uh, where this story started. I don't know. You, you say that you're slightly overweight. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've known you a long time. You don't appear to be different now than, you, than I've ever known you. Is, is, if you're, is your what? Yeah, is your weight fluctuated quite a bit? Yeah, a little bit. I always say that uh, chubby runners run with guts, and um, that's kind of been my mantra. I think right now I still, you know, I still tip the scales at about 210 pounds given the week and the amount of Twinkies consumed. But at that point in my life, I just was not where I wanted to be physically. I ran that 5K to, as you mentioned, honor my late sister-in-law, and literally my goal was to just do it without stopping. And I felt like I was going to die running three miles. And when I got to the finish line, I was inspired enough by the crowd and the ambiance and the feeling of accomplishment that I was like, I think I want to do this a little bit more and a little more seriously. And so just started to run and haven't really stopped since. Like literally like Forrest Gump, I just felt like running. And you told me a little bit about it uh, when we had our conversation a couple of days ago where you, you mentioned that you were running away from something and to something. I think I'm running away from that pain and agony that I felt. Put it in perspective, I think I was a pallbearer seven times in two years. And if you're a pallbearer, you you know the person pretty well or you're, you're in that circle. And that caused a lot of grief. I didn't like the way that I felt and I didn't like some of the thoughts and feelings that I had 
which were negative, they were compounded by that grief. And so I started to run as a form of therapy, and it really was distilling for me and clarifying for me. And every time I got off the trail, I just thought, I need more of this. And what I am running to is, cheesy as it sounds, I just feel like I'm running towards a better version of myself because each time I'm on the trail or you know, for those that don't run, each time they're accomplishing something that is maybe bigger than they are, they're becoming closer to who they want to be and what they're most proud of. And so I feel like I'm running from that old me and running to the new me. And it's been a really big part of my life and something that's been shaping for me. It's improved my marriage and my family and really grateful for it. Oh, that's wonderful. And I don't want to allude to the fact that, you know, you haven't changed weight-wise and so you look yeah. still chunky or something. Yeah, I just no. I think you look great. Um, I mean, you're not this super skinny runner like yeah. you see so many of the runners be, and you're not this big guy either. You're just kind of just yeah. an average guy. But yeah. To look at you, you wouldn't realize you're running 100-mile races. I take pride in that. Um, there's times in the last 25 miles of a race where I'm passing somebody, and I know they look at me and think, that chubby dude should not be passing me right now. What's up with this? It just speaks to how strong our brains are and how strong our mind is. And if you get your mind in the right place, you can accomplish way more than you think you can. And it doesn't matter what your body looks like. For me, I thought that I had to weigh 170 pounds to run a hundred miler. I was on Grandeur Peak one day and I ran into a guy who I knew was an avid outdoorsman. I said, hey, have you heard about this Wasatch 100? I, the, I was starting to think, eventually I may want to run this thing. He's like, yeah, I ran it, and it was the best summer of my life. You're in the mountains the whole time training. You get to meet really cool people. There's a really great community. I was like, one of these days I'm going to do that. I've got to lose about 60 pounds, but I'm going to do it. And he was an anesthesiologist, and he's like, bigger dude like you might be okay. There's plenty of calories to burn there. And I had put this limit on myself of – my weight has to be something before I even start. And he removed that for me. And it was fun to go to the start line and look around and be like, yeah, there's nobody here with my body type. And it doesn't matter because I know what's in between my ears and that's what I'm going to use to help me get to that finish line. Well, you're running a hundred miles in a race and, uh, it's just, it's unbelievable. I, I my hat's off to you. That's Thank amazing. You. Yeah. I amazing. Think you touched on the key to the, your mindset. Yeah. So how did you how did you come to that point or what is it that what's your self talk while you're while you're running? Well, I think for me, I've learned in life everything's incremental. So if I was standing at the start line and thinking, I have to run one hundred miles, that's really big and heavy and taxing. And so the way I started was I just have to make it to the first aid station. And in these hundred milers, there's aid stations that are anywhere from three to eight miles apart. And so I thought, I'm just going to make it to the first one and see how it goes. And you get to the first one, and you say, hey, how far is it to the next one? And they say, it's 4.2 miles. And I say, I can run 4.2 miles. <laughs> then you get to the next one. How far is it? And pretty soon, you're down the trail 60 miles. And then the audacity of that sets in. You're like, I'm going to finish this thing. And But that's how you do it is aid station to aid station and, and one step at a time. And um, breaking it down incrementally shrinks that change for you. And when it's small, it's it's accomplishable. So I just try and keep it small. And it's been really helpful for me to do that. Have you ever not finished a race? Yeah, a DNF is what they're called, did not finish. I've had actually three. So 14 starts, 11 finishes, and, and three DNFs. And all of my DNFs came from missing time cutoffs. So throughout the race, they say you have to be to this aid station by 
X time and that aid station by X time. I, I have missed those. And it's not because I wasn't fast enough. It was because on those particular days, I let my head and my mind get the better of me. So talk us through that. Well, interesting because I have taught myself that there's a cycle that leads to failure. In my 2014 attempt of the Wasatch 100, that was one of my races I didn't finish. And I was about mile 30 and I started to have this doubt like, I don't know if I can do this. this. It's hot today. It's really hot. And my water is warmer than I want it to be. And, and just this doubt started to creep in. And that doubt led to stress, where I started to kind of feel the emotion of, no, this, is, this just might not happen today. It's, it's not my day. And then the stress led to kind of a panic, where I was like, dang, I got to get going. If I don't get going, I'm not going to finish this. And that panic led to despair, where... I was, there's no way I can do it. It it had just evolved to where I had convinced myself it wasn't possible. And then that eventually led to failure. And I remember talking to my wife at mile 38 and I just said, I'm done. I'm going to keep going until they, I miss a time cutoff, but I'm, I'm done. And I knew it on a good day. I'm saying we need to get going. I need some caffeine. I need a Snickers bar. We're, I've got to speed up a little bit, but that day it wasn't about speeding up. It was about mental failure. So in my next race, that doubt surfaced again. And I was like, oh, this is familiar. I know where this goes. And it probably got to the stress level. And I started to think that next aid station, I'm done. I told myself the story of I'm going to get in the car. They're going to drive me back to the finish line. I'll tell my family that was there what happened. And I thought, no, I've, I've been here before. I know how to fix this. And I encouraged myself to just think of one positive thing. And that was hard for a second because you're in such physical, mental pain. And I was running alongside the American River in the Sierra Nevadas. And I looked down and there was a bald eagle flying up the riverbed. And I thought, I'm the only person right now that gets to see this. And as I got to see it, I thought, that is really cool. And, you know, I'm grateful for a body that allows me to be out here accomplishing this. And I'm grateful for the people that are at the aid station that are going to help me. And all of a sudden, this fear and panic had turned into gratitude. And the gratitude turned into positive thoughts. And when I got in the next aid station, I was like, I need water and I need some goo because I got to get out of here. And I was able to finish the race. And it was actually after that Wasatch that I have not missed a finish line since. Just learning how to break the the failure cycle for me has led to several finishes in a row now. Oh, that's awesome. We uh, had a guest, uh, Michelle McCullough, who said we need to fail faster. We need to learn to fail faster. Because you mentioned failure is not the end result. It's, It's something you learn from. And once you learn from it by failing faster, then, you know, we don't have to keep dragging them out. Let's just get it over with. Fail and then let's move on so we can learn from it. Yeah, and I love the autopsy after failure. What, what went wrong and where did it go wrong? And not because you're trying to beat yourself up, but because I, I consider failure a good thing as long as you use it as an investment. That autopsy has helped me figure out what led to that and how to fix it. And that solution mindset is critical in, in ultra running, but I've learned that ultra running is just a microcosm of what my life really is. And so now if I fell in life, I'm thinking, okay, what happened and what can I do to improve that the next time? And, and living my life in a solution based mindset has been a huge growth for me and, and something I'm really proud of. I wanted to touch on a couple of things. One is you've found that you have a gift now and, and that gift n- not necessarily is 
your ability to run, but your ability to your mind can tell your body that it can do great things and, and you're pushing yourself to greater limits. But you've found that to be unique enough that other people realize that, oh, hey, I don't know if I could do that. And so uh, you go out and do spectacular things like hike uh, Mount Grandeur six times in one day. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I have some good friends who unfortunately lost their son uh, to cancer. He was 20 months old and just heart-wrenching. And I felt like I wanted to do something. I couldn't go to the hospital and sit with them. I couldn't take their pain away. But just a show of support, I did a fundraiser for him. And I summited Grandeur Peak, which is a prominent peak on the Wasatch Mountains uh, over Salt Lake six times in a row in one day. And I think that's 36 miles and something like 14,000 feet of vert. But it's straight up that mountain and straight mm -hmm. back down. And, and it can be mentally taxing. But it was neat to see other people out there that day that were pushing for one summit or two summits. And that's what I've learned is we all have our different benchmarks of what we are trying to accomplish, and they're all meaningful and important. I'm sure the day that I ran that 5K, there was somebody out there that was doing it five times as fast as I was and was like, this is a cakewalk. Thank I'm glad I have an easy day today. But for me, it wasn't that day. So I love to see people push themselves beyond what they're capable. And it doesn't, that does not mean they have to run 100 miles. It means that they have to reach down inside themselves and find that reservoir of grit. And once they find that, they can use that in any activity that they do, parenting, um, their career, whatever it may be. But it's in all of us, and I'm really fortunate to have found mine. Well, that's cool. And then you had another story uh, where you were doing something uh, in a charitable way, and you got lost in the middle of the night. Yeah. I was hoping you didn't bring that up. Um, I remember that one because we were waiting for you to cheer you on. Yes. And Mark didn't come. No. And where is Mark? Uh, we had a friend that had cancer, and he had this P53 gene that was uh, a mutated gene that caused or promoted cancer. So I got this harebrained idea to run 53 miles through the Wasatch in his honor. And it wasn't supported. I mean, I was... I put enough water in my pack and enough food in my pack to get me 53 miles. And I mapped it out on a map and the map was accurate up until about the last 10 miles. And I was dropping in a city Creek Canyon, but there is no trail from the great Western trail into city Creek Canyon. And I came to where the trail should have been and had to do about 10 back and forth to find the trail. And it just wasn't there. And so it turned into a bushwhack to try and get into the bottom of City Creek. I got about halfway down and found out I'd gone down one ridge line too early. There still was no trail in City Creek. So then I had to bushwhack it over the ridge line, and it was a comedy of errors. I knew everybody was worried about me, and I didn't have cell coverage. Some prayer and some positive thoughts, and it was once so thick in these willows that my backpack literally got caught, and I was hanging like three feet from the ground just trying to get my footing, but it was dark, and, and we ended up getting to the bottom and um, missing the whole crew to cheer the, us on. The but, wel yeah, welcome wagon, I yeah. just basically got in my car, and my wife looked at me and said, you're an idiot, and we drove <laughs> home and went to bed. But, but that was, uh, what time of the night was it when you got in? I think I finally hit City Creek Road at about 2 in the morning. About 2 in the morning. Yeah. yeah. I was tired. Yeah. 
It's, it's just amazing. The one is your heart and soul, your big heart that you have. That's the thing is, is no wonder you can run so far. You have a huge heart. You know, your heart's bigger than everybody else's. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, my gut is for sure. That's And like I said, sometimes this stuff takes guts. But yeah, I just think uh, if you do things for the right reasons too, I have never run a race for me. I always dedicate it to somebody, my wife or my kids or a friend who might have cancer or um, somebody, and it makes me feel like if I'm doing it for them, it's worth something more. I just use that as a motivator, and I think that's a key to the way I want to live my life too is in service of somebody else to find that every time I put myself last, I'm happier. And I know you're a family man, and you've, you've mentioned your wife and your, your, your family. Yes. How many children do you have? I have three kids, and they're all teenagers right now. Oh, my and goodness. It's busy. <laughs> yeah. And that's been interesting to balance raising teenagers and making sure that they come first and getting my training. And so that frequently leads to a lot of early mornings and a lot of late nights. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I tell people I'll never win one of these things because I can't give adequate training because my family comes first and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. They love it too. They love... Do they run? Uh, yeah, they, they go out on the shorter runs with me, but they are an amazing crew. When I come into the aid stations, they have everything laid out for me. They know what I need better than I do. They get me fixed up and back out on the trail. My daughter's very... OCD. So she has things laid out. I've actually had people come take pictures of how she sets up my aid station because they're like, we want to do that for our runner. Um, so it's, it's been, it's for sure a family event. I, there's, I don't finish one race without them. Well, I know your brothers are very proud of you. I've seen their, them boasting about the things that you've done and accomplished. It's, it's awesome. How long do is the average race yeah. on these hundred milers? Um, it largely depends on the course. On a mountainous course, which I like to run, it's usually 36 hours that you have to finish it. So that means you're starting at 5 a.m. on Friday and have a 5 p.m. on Saturday cutoff. And there's cutoffs along the way, so you have to be into certain aid stations to make sure you're keeping pace along the way, but usually 36 hours. So okay. you can't take three days to do a 100-mile race? No, and that's that's the part that I think throws a lot of people is it's straight through. Like in both of my Wasatch finishes, I slept zero minutes. And so you're at about mile 50 to 60 throwing on a headlamp and going through the night. And I'll, this is one cool thing about it is when that sunrise comes up and you're getting close to the finish, there's it is so refreshing. Like you, you think you're just so tired and so beat 80, 90 miles into a race. But when that sun comes up, it is refreshing and invigorating all of a sudden you have these stores of energy that you didn't have going through the night and really helps you close out those last few miles let me get a little more personal and ask you one question whether i don't don't know we've never talked about this so i don't know if it has effect or not but you ran for some spectacular people you've had seven deaths recently um that you've been doing a lot of running for them have you ever felt like an influence from them have you ever asked uh, to lean on them as you've been trying to pick up the pace when you don't think you can go anymore. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I was once told by somebody that knows about this stuff that one of the closest places you can go to be near those people is in the mountains. And I think that's why I spend so much time up there. And I have had those experiences where I know that I'm not alone on that trail. It There's no way to describe it other than I've got a pacer right by my side. And 
you know, the year that I didn't finish Wasatch, my father-in-law died the Sunday before the race. And we had his funeral Thursday night, and my race started Friday morning at 5 a.m. And as I was running that race, I, I kept saying out loud to him, like, hey, Vic, let's go get this thing, man. I need your help. And I know that they're there. And that's a huge part of why I do this. I often ask myself, am I making them proud? Hmm. And a lot of why I run is to honor them and their memory. And I've got to live my life enough for, for all of us is the way I look at it, is take their potential and take their shortened lives and live mine in a way that uh, makes up for all that lost time. That's huge. Awesome. I'm so glad that we had you on this episode to learn more about you. And while you've, you've given our audience a lot of golden nuggets, do you have final message that you'd like to leave? Yeah, I think I've learned this and I've learned it the hard way. And hopefully I've learned it enough for all of us is that you are capable of more than you think. When people look at me, I often get that you run a hundred miles like you do. And the answer is yes, I do. And I'm, and I didn't think that I could, but now I know I can. And you don't have to run a hundred miler, but when you wake up in the morning and you have to worry about a child or you have to go to work and have a crucial conversation with somebody there, or you have to go do something you don't want to do, I promise you can do it because you're capable. You have it in you. You just have to find that. And I'm I think that's something that's really neat about the human existence is having within us what we don't know is there and then discovering that eventually. That's awesome. Thank you very much, Mark. And if, if you would like to connect with Mark and have him come and speak to your, your group or your, your company or organization, we'll have his information in our show notes. Just go to lifein22minutes.com and you'll be able to connect to Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you, Mark Robbins. Good to see you, buddy. You too. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.